This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. they are new every day. Uh, Lord, we ask, O oh God, that this morning, Lord, give us fresh manna from above in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, teach us by yourself and let Jesus be lifted up and all men drawn unto him. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So today, I want to talk about something that I've simply titled Christ's Ambassador. Christ's Ambassador. Somebody say, I am an ambassador for Christ. So the next time I see you and I shake you and I say, Your Excellency, you know, Ambassador Ayo, don't say, Who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. Amen. We are ambassadors of Christ. Amen. Many of us are familiar with embassies, you know, because uh, to get here, uh, we had to go to the embassy, apply for visa, and all of these things. Uh, the embassy, an embassy is where the ambassador sits, all right? So the, the ambassador sits at the head of the diplomatic corps in any uh, uh, country, amen? And uh, so every country will have an ambassador in a foreign country where they have relationship, right? And uh, the ambassador represents their government, Amen. So, for example, in Nigeria, uh, the United States has an embassy. Yeah? Uh, they have in Lagos and they have in Abuja. Uh, many of us went there to apply for visa and we're here today. You know, so I, I want us to remember that as we talk through this. Uh, the scripture says that we are Christ's ambassadors. And uh, Apostle Paul said of himself, he says, I'm, I am God's ambassador. So that tells us something right there. And somebody might wonder, you know, how does this relate to Bible and all of these things? In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says of Jesus, it was a prophecy about Jesus. He said, of Jesus, the government shall be upon his shoulder. So the head of the government that we're talking about uh, is Jesus. Amen. Every ambassador serves at the pleasure of the president. Amen. So you and I as ambassadors, we are ambassadors representing who? Representing Christ. It's not a trick question. Some people were careful to answer me. <laughs> and Jesus said in John chapter 15, uh, 1835, John 1835, he said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. It's not a kingdom of this world, you know. So when we talk about the government of God, the government of Christ is something beyond this natural world. And the Bible says that you and I are ambassadors in that kingdom. So let's read our text for today. That was just a brief introduction. Our text today is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 11 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 11 to 21. He said, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, 
we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Very important. I mean, English is not my first language, but you and I both know that nobody starts a statement with because. Amen? So that tells you something, that there was something that was going on before because. So before because, what? <laughs> that's funny. Before because. <laughs> before the because, what he was saying to them is the fact that at some point in time, we're going to give up this body, this earthly flesh, this body that many of us, uh, we cherish so, so much, you know, spend a lot of money to keep, you know, look good and look fresh, all of that, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But he was telling them that we're going to shed this body. And further, he was saying to them that when we shed this body, we're going to be translated into a new kingdom, into a new sphere. And this new sphere, there's two sections to it. There's a section with God, and then there's a section in hell with the devil and his cohorts. So he said, because we understand this responsibility, this is why we persuade men. You know, the old King James says, because of the terror of the Lord. God is not a terrorist. You know, it's just a figure of speech. There's no terror. You say, we understand the enormity, the responsibility that if we don't persuade men to live their way of life and accept and adopt this way of life, we know the end, they will be doomed forever. So we take that responsibility very seriously. That is what he's talking about there. Let's continue reading. He said, are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is because, uh, no, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. It is either way, Christ's love controls us. I, I love the uh, King James rendition of this. He said, the, the love of Christ constrains us. It means the stuff we are expected to do, we are not doing as a matter of compulsion, but because of the enormous love that God has shown to me, therefore I am obedient to God, and I preach the gospel, and I persuade others to say God is a good God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So either way, he said, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we will all, that we have all died to our old life. Amen. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You know, he's doing like a back and forth, 
here. It's saying, you know, there's an old life, there's a new life, there's a, there's a transition that is expected, and the price for the new life is a heavy price. Why? Because Christ died to give us this new life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Many people like to stop with the wages of sin is death. You just like the negativity part of things. No, it goes further to say the, the, the gift of God to us, to those that accept the sacrifice of Christ, is eternal life. And that's important. Amen? Let's continue reading. So verse 16. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Why? Because we are in a vantage position. We are in a different place from where we used to be. So when we look at people, sinners, non-sinners, whoever, we are, we are not looking at them from a human point of view. We are looking with the eye of the Spirit. When we are judging a situation, we are not judging a situation but from a human point of view. We are judging by the eye of the Spirit. Amen? So at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. And then this is verse 17 that we all know and we quote. You know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new man. All things are passed away and all things have become new. There was a conversation before that point. So it says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The point here is for us to understand that now that I'm in Christ, I'm a new person. I'm a new creature that has never existed before. Why? Because God has translated me from that old life into a new life. A life that is rooted and grounded in Christ. So I should behave like it. You know, I should behave, you know, many of us now that we've been in America for however long, you know, uh, your language has changed. Uh, we're going to uh, give me the computer and the bora on the puriru. <laughs> Even Americans are confused sometimes. <laughs> you know, our, our language has changed is what I'm saying basically. You know, many of us, when we go back home, we're not the same person anymore. Amen. One of the things that I first noticed that changed about me, you know, is, you know, at home, everything is, is a lot of money. It's pricey. You know, so if something is about to drop, you rush to grab it. You know, so my wife would tell me, it's okay. Let, let, it, fall. let it fall. I'm like, if it, if it, what if it breaks? You know, <laughs> you know, so, but over time, you know, I now realize that something is dropping. I just let it drop. I said, ah. I've adopted this spirit. <laughs> you know? So it says because you are a new man, you have a new life, it is inconsistent for you to, you let the old life, you, you are in the new life now, but your life, your new life still resembles the old life. You know, that's what we say when we say things like, it's possible to take a man out of the village, but taking the village out of the man is another matter. So when we are born again, when we are translated from the old life to the new life, everything changed. 
It's changed. Everything is changed. It's like somebody that is married. You say, oh, I see. Your friends are telling you, you know, since you got married, nothing has changed. That's an insult to you. Really. Because the Bible says, for this reason, a man will leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and two will become one flesh. Excuse me. If you mix, mix yellow paint and red paint, what do you get? You get yellow? You get red? You get orange. You get a brand new color. So if you, are, you, you got married and your friends are saying to you, you haven't changed, you have remained the same, it means something is wrong with you because you are expected to change. So if I'm born again and my old friends, they are saying, I, I like your born again. <laughs> I like your type of born again. Why? Because nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Then you need to rethink and ask yourself over Am I really saved? Have I made the transition? Why? Because it's a new life. It's a new life. Let's continue reading. Let me read 17 again. He said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Somebody say gone. gone. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So we, have, we now have an assignment now that we are saved. Now that we have the new life, we have an assignment, which is the awesome responsibility he was talking about in verse 11. But let's continue reading. Um, I lost my spot. 18? 19. Thank you very much, man. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So Christ has not called us to come and judge the world. He has called us to reconcile the world back to himself. And this is exactly what Jesus did when Jesus came to the earth. That is why you and I can raise our hand and say, Born again, born again. Thank God I'm born again. Amen. So verse 20. It says, so we are Christ's what? Ambassadors. ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's what? Ambassadors. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. And I said earlier, you know, in Ephesians 5, I mean, Ephesians 6, 20, he said, I am in chains still preaching the message as God's ambassador. So you and I, if you are born again, you have accepted the new life, you have been translated from the old life to the new life, you are an ambassador for Christ. I am an ambassador for Christ. So when you think about an ambassador, an ambassador is not executing to his likes and dislikes. Amen? An ambassador only executes the purposes of his home government. 
So it doesn't matter how the ambassador feels about any situation. If he feels differently from the home government's policy, what will they do? They resign. They pray the president will remove him. Why? Because the ambassador is not supposed to be executing policies that he likes. He's supposed to execute the policies of his home government. Amen? So what are some of these policies of the government of Christ that you and I are supposed to be enforcing? Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. Romans uh, 14, 17. Say, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The old King James says, the kingdom of God is made up of what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So, the the part that we play as an ambassador, an ambassador of Christ, my job is to execute the righteousness of God. So when people see me, you, it will be hypocrisy if I'm telling people to do stuff that I'm not doing. You know? So now that I'm in right standing with God, I want to enforce the righteousness of God in all that I do. Everything I do, I check by the balance of God. Remember, we read earlier, he said we don't judge things from human standpoint anymore. We look at things, we evaluate situations based on God's requirements. Amen? So righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost are part of the policy of this government that we're talking about. It should never be said that a believer is a troublemaker. You know, some people, they just like to start trouble. And anywhere some people show up, if there was no trouble before, <laughs> something begins to cook. Something is brewing. You know, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Children of God, sons of God. So as a believer, I'm enforcing peace. If there's division, if there's strife, if there's stuff that are messed up going on, in any situation I find myself, as an ambassador for Christ, I bring peace. I bring peace. I bring joy. I bring righteousness. I don't bring negativity. You know? The Bible says when they say there's a casting down, you will say there's a lifting up. So when, whenever I show up, if they were depressed before, joy has come. Righteousness has come. Peace has come. Why? I am an ambassador for Christ. Number two, very quickly. Number two um, is love. Number two is love. You know, uh, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know? Part of the policy of heaven that you and I are executing to is love. It's love. You know, many years ago, this was back in Nigeria, you know, uh, I, had, uh, I had two housemaids working for me. I could afford it. It's not expensive. You know, I had one for my daughter. 
and I had another one that took care of the house. You know, so it was uh, school was on break, so I didn't really need the other one. So I didn't know how to let her go. You know, so she did something wrong. I mean, she really did something wrong. So I told her she was fired. You know, and I let her go. And uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately for me, the Sunday before I was the one preaching in church. And guess what I was preaching on? The mercy of God. Be merciful. Be merciful. And then as she was pleading with me, guess what she was saying? Have mercy, sir. Be merciful. Have mercy, sir. Then the Holy Ghost reminded me of my sermon. They <laughs> said, you just preached. You just, you were, you were blabbing your mouth and jumping up. He said, now is an opportunity to leave that. And guess what? At that point, I said, down. I said, okay, go back to work. <laughs> Amen. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Part of what we are enforcing is love. You shouldn't be the one that is sowing seeds of discord as a believer. Uh, in Matthew, Matthew 22, they came to Jesus and said, tell us what is the greatest commandment. It's a very simple. Love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, everything within you. All that is within you, love God with it. And then he said the second is similar to the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love. So the things we do, we do from a position of love, not a position of judgment. Because when Jesus came, Jesus didn't come from a position of judgment. He came from a position of love. The Bible says, if for God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But if you go to the next verse, it did say, if you reject him, then you will have yourself to blame. I praise the Lord. So love, love is key to this kingdom. Amen. John, John 15, 13, John 15, 13, it says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So in spite of us, Jesus laid down his life. You know, the, the thing that beats me the most about the sacrifice of Jesus is uh, he did it while we were yet sinners. You know? If, if somebody offends you, be honest now. Be honest. If somebody offends you, for the most part, before you forgive, you want them to apologize. Why are you looking straight? Am I, you think I don't know you? You want them to first of all apologize. And even with their apology, you are still considering whether or not you will forgive. That is true. Thank you for being real. You know, but whilst we were yet sinners, God sent Jesus. He said they can't do it themselves. They are trying to figure it out, but they are failing woefully. So go rescue them. So because of love, he came. He came. You know, you will expect that based on what we have received, we will want to give the same. We want to reciprocate the same. You know, but a lot of times, for those of, those of us that are not born again, we have our nose in the air and we're saying, all those sinners, they are going to hell. Hellfire. 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 Go read the scriptures. 
And tell me how many times Jesus talked about hell. Relative to him talking about love and kindness and all those kind of stuff. Amen? That was number two. Number three, my numbering is jacked up here. Number three, reconciliation. And I kind of talked about that already. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 that we read, he said, all of, this, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Listen to this. If there is, if there is an issue between two people, as an ambassador, my responsibility is to reconcile them, is not to take sides. Ah, she's my friend. You know, my friend's enemy, bring your hand now. <laughs> I'm calling you my friend. <laughs> you know, my friend's enemy is my enemy. That's okay. I don't even know if he just, I think it's his first day. You know, that's why I'm going, I'm going to side with the one I know. No. As an ambassador, my job, my response, you're welcome, by the way. God bless you. <laughs> you know, my job, my responsibility is to reconcile people. It's not to take sides and say, oh, he's been doing it. In fact, he did the same thing to me and he did it to my friend and then we are now going to gang up and then spread the bad news and let everybody know how terrible he is or she is. You know, there was uh, actually two sisters many years ago who were still in the old church, you know, they said they had been trying to come to church for like three weekends. All these overpass and things you see on 410 now, they were not there. So whilst they were doing the construction, there was a lot of detours and things. So it was difficult for people. They are using Google Map, but they can't get to church. So she said they had tried like three Sundays. The, third Sunday, the fourth Sunday or so, when they finally got to church, it was after service. So we're all just hanging out when they made it to church, you know. And then they were telling us that some people had told them, Salvation Center, don't go there. They are terrible. They are this, they are that. They said all kinds of evil. So they said they have so much terrible things about the church. They said, I have to see this church, how really bad they are. Amen? And they went on to be members for over 10 years. They came. They suffer themselves. So when someone is telling you about somebody else, understand they are gossiping. Don't be a part of their gossip. And say, okay, this thing, can we just go and reconcile with this person? Let's talk to them. Maybe they, did, they don't know they are doing this thing you have said about them. They might really be doing that stuff, but they don't know. So let's go talk to them. You should be for reconciliation and not taking sides and, and say, this is my friend. And this is my body. All right? Um, listen to this. The words of Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 47. John 12, 47. He says, I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. This is Bible now. I'm not telling you a story. You, you see, is, is that, that's Bible. He said, I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey. I'm still not going to judge them. He said, I came to the world for them. My purpose is to reconcile them, to bring them to God. 
is not to separate. My, my role is not to separate, but to bring people and gather them unto the Lord. Amen. Verse 48, he said, but all those who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth that I've spoken to them. Amen. So, but we are not telling people the truth so that if they disobey, they can be judged. We are telling them the truth out of love because we sincerely want them to be saved. Praise the Lord. Is someone being blessed here? All right. The next point is obedience. And I love this very much. It, <laughs> there's no any ambassador that decides to disobey. is gone. There's no what if nots about it. It's gone. So as an ambassador, I'm listening to hear from God and then I take my next step. But too many of us are well, not too many of us. Some people are ruled by their emotions. They are not receiving instructions. Amen. But it's interesting. How many of you know that Jesus is God? If you know that, shout hallelujah. So you believe that Jesus is God. Listen to what God said about God. John chapter 5 verse 30. John 5 30. It says, I can do nothing on my own. Say, ah, abomination. If you, <laughs> if you have the red lettered Bible, this should be in red print. This is Jesus speaking. But when he says, I can do nothing on my own, it's not a reference to ability. It's saying that I am answerable to the Father. That's what he's saying. It's not saying I, I'm not able to do it. He said, but I refuse to do anything on my own. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Obedience is key. If Jesus was God and Jesus was obedient to God, I ought to be obedient to the word of God. You ought to be obedient to the word of God. Why? Because I'm an ambassador. Someone say, I'm an ambassador. I am an ambassador. A greater and better ambassador than earthly ambassadors. Amen? So obedience is very, very key. In John 6, verse 38, John 6, 38, he said, For I have come from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Not to do my own will. Are you seeking your own will? Am I doing my own will? Am I doing what I like, what I want, the, the things that excite me? Or am I following the command of the Lord? Very quickly, because of time. What number are we on now? Four. Okay, four. Very quickly. Prayer. Jesus set an example of prayer for us. You know, the Bible says in Luke, Luke chapter 6, uh, 12 and 13, where you just read it, he went to the mountaintop to pray. All night he prayed. And then in the morning, he appointed the disciples. And then all day they went about preaching. That is God. God took time to pray. So if you think 
you are going to get anything done, anything serious, important to you. Without prayer, you have a second thought coming. Amen? Amen? Prayer is the key. In fact, when the disciples, you know, they were praying for that little boy that was uh, possessed, and the boy, nothing happened. The demon was like, who are you? <laughs> Amen? And Jesus came, and just like that, he cast out the demon. They said, but master, why couldn't we do this? He said, not only do you need to pray, you also need to add fasting to it. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, when you fast, you didn't say if you fast. You know, we cannot be too modern for the word of God. We cannot be so hip. You know, we are the 21st, 21st century, yeah? We are the 21st century believers, forget all those old religious stuff. The word of God, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The word of God doesn't change. It's not like the United States Constitution that we make amendments, uh, 14th Amendment, uh, 15th Amendment. No, 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 no. The word of God is the same, ever true, unchanging, immovable. Amen? Number three, uh, well, number five, whatever. Number six, thank you. I was just checking to see if you are paying attention. <laughs> Listen, I have two more. I have two more, and then we'll close. Listen to this. Numbers six, five. Okay, we have split decision. <laughs> the next point, number six. Okay, number six. The choir is not paying attention. They missed one. <laughs> okay, listen to this. Number six is family. You know, and you know, I've had people say a, a number of things when it comes to Jesus and his family. And it's true. Remember, he was preaching in a place one time. He said, oh, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. He said, who is my brother? Who is my mother? He said, anyone that listens to my word. That is true. That is true. But one thing you must not miss is this. The dying wish of Jesus was to take care of his mother. That was his dying wish. On the cross, as he hung on the cross, the Bible says he looked down and he saw his mother and his aunt. Imagine the state of the mother. You're looking at your son, the one that opened the womb, your first son. You're looking at him nailed to the cross, blood gushing everywhere. Remember, they, they had beaten him up. His, his skin is broken. I mean, it was a mess. The Bible says he did not look like a human being. He didn't look like a human being. And the mother is there looking at him. In the Passion of Christ, the Bible doesn't say this. In the Passion of Christ, she said, Son, when are you going to deliver yourself? Because she understood that he has the power to free himself. She said, When are you going to free yourself? And she was there all messed up. I'm sure she has cried so much. Maybe no tears are coming out anymore. She's just despondent. She's looking and she's like, oh my God, save my son. Help my son. You know, she's there. And then Jesus looks at her. John 19, 26. He said, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. Behold your son. He ensured that his mother would be cared for 
after his departure. He knew he was going back to heaven. He knew that, yes, spiritually she's covered, but she needs physical help. Amen. So you can say, I'm praying for you. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, we are praying for you. Okay. I hear that. But I need more than prayer. God will do it. I know. But I need somebody now. Will you be that vessel that God will use now? Amen. He took care of her physical need to ensure that the mother will not lack. And you know, if you read the next verse, the Bible says, and he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. As an ambassador, you have a duty to your family. You have a duty to your family. Your, your children, your parents, we have a responsibility under God so that when people are looking for example, they can look at you and say, wow, I, I, I love the way this person is taking care of their dad. You know, I love the way this person is taking care of their mom. Okay. On me. Thank you. <laughs> you. You see what I'm saying? It is important for us to not spiritualize everything. There's this physical aspect to our being. There's a physical aspect. Amen? Unless God has called you to celibacy, go get married. Amen? You are all looking so spiritual. And many of you have children. So you know what I'm talking about. The children you have is not by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you and your husband got together. Yeah? So we have physical needs is what I'm saying. So as a husband, I cannot deprive my wife. As a wife, I cannot deprive my husband. And the last one is marriage. So as an ambassador, I represent Christ in every facet of my life. As a child, I have responsibility to my parents. As a parent, I have responsibilities to my children. Amen. As an ambassador of Christ. And the last one, the last point here is marriage. Marriage is a kingdom policy ordained by God. In Genesis 2, 18, the Bible says, for this reason a man will leave father and mother, you know, and then he will become one with his wife. Praise, uh, no, 18, it says, it is not good for a man to be alone. Yeah? 24 is what I was citing. You know, 18, it says it's not good for So marriage is not man's idea. It wasn't Adam in the garden feeling all lonely and say, I need somebody. No. God looked at him and said, this, 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 this creature is not doing well. <laughs> he's working very hard, but uh, he's not doing well. You know, he said, I will make a help me suitable for him. And God did. So it's important that we understand that marriage is a heavenly policy. And how I conduct marriage must be according to the policies of heaven. And how should I do that? We know this. Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, we always talk about that. But I want to show you something a little, uh, it's 
another thing bordering the point there. And that's 1 Peter 3, 4 to 7. Watch this. 1 Peter 3, 4 to 7. I'm going to close with this. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the, whole, the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. Inner beauty. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Wives submit to your husband is one of those policies that God has put in place so that marriage can work. Since marriage was not my idea, I cannot determine how best to run marriage. If I go back to the creator, the creator can instruct us on how best it can work. It says, so it says wives must accept the authority of their husband. For instance, verse 6, says Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. She called him Lord. You are, you are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. As a wife, I have a duty, I have a responsibility to submit under God to my spouse. My husband. Huh. My husband, which is a man. Yeah. For the women, not me. My wife is a woman. Huh. So for women, you submit to your own husband, who is a man. In the same way, watch this. Husbands must give honor to your wives. Many people struggle with this. Especially from our culture. Say, husbands must honor their wives. You know, if you, if you ever speak to a man that has an issue with his wife, if you speak to 100 men, 95 of them will talk about disrespect. She doesn't respect me. She doesn't honor me. We have it backwards. Jesus the scripture, the word is telling us, husbands, honor your wives. Wives, submit and accept the authority of your husbands. He said, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So, when you say she's a weaker vessel, it doesn't mean she's beneath you, is what the scripture is saying. The scripture says the wife should submit to the authority of the husband. It's not because she's beneath him. That's what the scripture is saying here. He said, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Let's read the rest together. Okay, let's start from treat her. One, two, three, go. I didn't see it. This is the scripture. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. 
For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org. Let's rise to our feet.